You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume Number 88 by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James Hines, entitled Concerning the Astral World and Devakon. This is the fourth lesson in a small set of private lessons, the notes. I am numbering it Lecture 14.4, entitled The Higher Development of the Human Being, given in Berlin Schlachtensee, summer of 1903. In the wisdom schools of Plato and Pythagoras, the students were not allowed to move forward to the higher sources of knowledge until after the study of mathematics. Pure selflessness alone could be opened for eternal wisdom, and mathematics was the only science that could educate toward this, because it had no purpose and did not serve any selfish satisfaction and taught only the pure relationships, the pure lawfulness of the fundamental formulas. Human evolution is a downward descent from the universal one to separation, and then a stepwise ascent in conscious freedom to knowledge of one's connection to the universe and a return to the universal. For this reason, seen from the mental plane, for human beings a dead stone is a model of higher life. In the stone the entire context and cosmic connections are still preserved. The causal law alone is at work in a stone. The external world provides the cause for the stone's movement. The stone extends from the mental plane into the physical because its pure thought resides serenely in it. Its life is only form. Thus the sun, which is at home as the physical image of the logos in the mental plane, and the entire mineral kingdom, are to be seen as a great laboratory for physical and chemical forces. Life begins with plants, which are to be found a step lower, in the astral world, from where they originate. With the plants, the separation begins. They draw nourishment from outside into themselves in order to grow larger. They want to grow and spread themselves. It is the beginning of egotism but the plant can be developed a step higher. It is developed out of the astral, through the physical, up to the etheric sphere. Arising in the etheric sphere, the animal already feels that it not only wants nourishment for its growth, it also wants to appropriate from the external world and make its own what gives it pleasure. It experiences life as joy and suffering. It climbs up and is evolved up to the astral realm. Human beings as such who originated in the physical realm as natural beings, who achieve mental pictures of the external world and perceive themselves as individual beings, stand the deepest in their egotism. Nevertheless, they can raise themselves into the mental sphere through thinking even though they can perceive only in the physical world, for they live with their brain and their physical body in the mineral realm. But they bear all the elements of the universe within. 
they have passed through all the kingdoms, and all the forces are to be found in them as principles. They can consciously develop those forces out of themselves. What we see is the physical body that belongs to the mineral kingdom. But human beings also live through prana, the principle of life. They live in the etheric sphere of the plant world. They have their own etheric bodies. Furthermore, they also live through their feelings in the astral world, in the mental world through the kama-manas principle. Human beings possess four bodies in the lower world, but they are also connected with higher worlds because that is their origin. They can develop their mental bodies, and from the idea of an individual thing and many things, they can advance to the idea of the type. They can develop their causal bodies and ascend to the higher worlds of the three, manas, buddhi, atma. In the buddhi sphere, they will form their thoughts out of astral matter. They will be able to create the mayavi rupi body and live and work out of their causal soul. They will become creators and once again become one with the wholeness. This higher trinity to which human beings must evolve themselves is in reality already present deeply hidden within them. They are at the foundation of a human being's essence. They must be freed one after another. Quote, as above, so below. Close quote. The multiplicity that we see is nothing other than the principle of oneness, the Logos, which was dissolved into multiplicity, divided up. Disharmony can arise in multiplicity only because the many individuated parts, which are all a part of the spirit, can get involved in conflict with one another. If this multiplicity again closes up together into wholeness, then our cosmos will again become a complete whole. Then it will again become the Logos, harmony. Quote, as above, so below. Close quote. Atma, the highest principle in our cosmos, in our mineral kingdom, in which we include the stars in their tracks, everything in the sky, and all the forces in nature, has at the same time penetrated the most deeply into matter. Our physical organs have been essentially enlivened and held together by Atma. Atma, as the highest principle, has its opposite reflection in the physical kingdom. The Buddhi principle has penetrated only to the etheric and astral spheres and forms there the being of the plant and animal world, their etheric and astral bodies. When human beings originally still connected to divine geniuses, still constituting a unified wholeness with divine geniuses, were separated into individual beings and through the formation of mental pictures achieved an eye-consciousness, then Manas, the third principle, descended into the astral sphere. Connected with Kama, enclosed in the brain of human beings, it formed its Kama-Manas body. On the descending curve of their development, human beings had passed through all the kingdoms. We bear Atma as the mineralized cosmos within us. It is our physical body. 
We bear buddhi as the living, feeling cosmos in our prana and kama bodies, and manas, connected to kama, forms our kama-manas body. It is the fourth principle in the lower world, forming at the same time the transition to the higher mental world. It is the connecting bridge to that world. Freed of all lower sheaths, manas is united again with buddhi, radiating selflessly into the universe. Human are beings stuck in egotism and separate existence more deeply than all other beings. They drew everything into themselves and bear the entire trinity of Atma-Buddhi-Manas. Atma is spread out in the mineral kingdom. It is at rest in its entire unity in stone, which is still directly connected to the cosmos. Dualism is already present in the plant and animal world. Buddhi penetrates into the etheric and astral world, and the plant and animal worlds are formed of life and feeling. Manas, wisdom, hovers above them and brings about the wisdom that comes to expression in nature, in the wonderful lawfulness of structure and rational movement found in animals. However, human beings draw manas into themselves. Wisdom can no longer work on them from the outside. United with kama, enclosed in their mental bodies, wisdom is clouded for them. The human being is a single form created by a combination of chemical and physical processes unfolding in the mineral cosmos, which is also active in the astral world through feelings, wishes, and passions. Unceasingly, human beings themselves create astral beings in the sphere in which they have a real, living, material existence. For the matter of the astral world consists of interweaving, surging feelings such as jealousy, hate, goodwill, anger, and so forth. The beings created from the feelings of humans conduct their separate existence there as elemental beings. Beings from other worlds, beings that need the astral sphere for their development, are also found there, as well as the astral bodies of souls that are awaiting their human development. Furthermore, devas are found there, which come from other worlds and often seek to influence human beings. Present, too, are the four deva-rajas, which form their physical bodies from the four elements, fire, water, air, and earth, according to astral schematics created for them by the lipakas, the lords of karma, from the mental substance of individuality. The higher development of human beings depends upon their conscious concentration and meditation that must be carried out daily according to certain rules. By separating themselves from all impressions of the outer world and directing their entire concentration upon a revealed eternal thought daily in the morning hours, even if only for five minutes, human beings will gradually put themselves in contact with the cosmos and join in with the rhythmic movements of the cosmos. By means of this consistent daily withdrawal from the transitory world of appearances, for a brief period of meditation, human beings ascend gradually to the Arupa sphere. By thinking through a sentence containing an eternal universal truth, 
so that it comes alive. Human beings absorb the thought's entire contents, taking it up into themselves. This daily control of thought and strictly carried out meditation is not allowed to serve our own education and expansion of our own intelligence. Meditation must be carried out with the consciousness that we are thereby helping and working on the evolution of our cosmos. All our uncontrolled, in quotes, real thinking unceasingly disturbs this regular process. Human beings who want to develop their astral senses must also learn to master their feelings and awaken within themselves a feeling of reverence for the wisdom of highly developed beings. They must also cultivate a powerful devotion to those higher beings by properly estimating their distance from those beings. Those who practice meditation should also carry out a retrospective remembering of the events of the day just gone past, without regret or remorse for the failures. This should be done for one reason alone, in order to learn from experience how to do better in the future. Meditation must not be forced. It must not be allowed to separate us from our environment or change our usual daily existence. On the contrary, it should leave us without worry concerning our usual way of being. It will teach us more through collecting our wits and overviewing the day at the end of the day than if we were to forcefully launch ourselves into being better human beings. If human beings want to ascend to higher development, where the first logos streams into the second, then they must become chalas and develop the traits of chalas within themselves. They must develop four chief inner characteristics step by step. First, the ability to distinguish between what is transitory and what is enduring. That means that they must learn to recognize in the transitory, in what they perceive, the formative force that remains. All things that our senses perceive have a force within that is striving toward crystallization. Just as salt dissolved in wa warm water crystallizes when the water is cooled. Soil in the field is worn down crystal. Seeds contain the power to become plant and fruit. A vertebra has the possibility to be formed into skull plate. Thus the lancet fish, which consists of just a spine, is an image in miniature of the first living feeling form in which the Logos was manifested. This incredible first fish, which consisted of nothing but a gelatinous mass, is the most ancient ancestor. In its vertebra it carried the possibility of evolution into the amphibians, fish, mammals, and the human being. Thus, human beings are a transitory phenomenon. They change their mineral matter daily, and their sense organs will not remain as they are today, but rather will adjust to accommodate higher stages of human evolution. They bear within the power to change their form. The second trait that must be developed is the ability to value what is eternal. Knowledge becomes a feeling. What is enduring we learn to estimate more highly than what is transitory, the value of which diminishes more and more in our eyes. 
Thus, by developing the first two traits, the growing chalas will be led by themselves to the development of certain mental or soul abilities. A. Control of thought. Chalas must not allow themselves to see things from a single point of view. We take hold of a thought, think it is true, although it is true from only one aspect or point of view. Later, we must also consider it from the opposite point of view for every assertion must at the same time hold up the opposite. Only in this way do we learn to control one thought with another. B. Control of actions Human beings live and act in the material world. They are placed within time. Considering the wealth of phenomena in the world, they can embrace only a small part. They are bound to a certain circle through their actions. Daily meditation serves chelas by helping them control their thoughts. They observe only what is enduring in them, and they find value only in actions with which they can serve the higher development of their fellow human beings. They will lead the wealth of phenomena back again to the highest unity. C. Tolerance Chelas will not allow themselves to be ruled by feelings of attraction or repulsion. They will attempt to understand everyone, criminals and saints alike. And although chelas experience emotionally, they will judge intellectually. What is recognized correctly as evil from one point of view can be judged from a higher aspect as necessary and consequent. D. Forbearance To accept good fortune or misfortune with equanimity, not allowing them to become controlling powers that can influence us. We must not allow joy or pain to push us off our course. We must keep ourselves free from all external influences and assert our own direction. E. Faith Chelas should have a free, open, unprejudiced heart for what is spiritual. Even when we do not at first recognize a higher truth, we must have the faith until we can make it part of our own experience. If we were to proceed with the maxim, quote, test everything and retain the best, close quote, then we would set our own judgment as the measure for reality, placing ourselves higher than the spiritual world, thereby closing ourselves off from the Spirit's entry into our souls. F. Equilibrium The final soul capacity resulting from all others is equilibrium confidence in one's direction, soul balance. Chelas give themselves their direction. And then Chelas have to develop the fourth trait, the will toward freedom, toward the ideal. As long as we live in the physical world, we cannot attain to full freedom. But we can develop the will toward freedom, the striving for the ideal. We can make ourselves free from external circumstances and no longer react to the influences from outside us. We can rather make the law within us, our enduring aspects, into the guiding light of our thinking and acting. We can live not in our transitory personality, but in our individuality, which is enduring and strives for oneness. The end of Lecture 14.4